Welcome to STR Unfiltered, where we give you actionable episodes without the bullshit. Here is your host, Bill Faith. Hey, short-term rental pros, this is Bill Faith. I want to tell you about a secret weapon that I've been using for quite some time to build my email list. There's nothing that does it faster and also helps us relieve the dependence on the OTAs, Airbnb and VRBO, then StayFi. If you've never heard of StayFi, it's just, it's a platform that connects to your router to where when guests check in, not just the booking guests, but every guest, they log into it to access your Wi-Fi. Just like when you stay at a hotel or you'd walk into a coffee shop. It's super simple, there's no friction, but most importantly, this allows you to grow your email list by your occupancy rate and not just by the booker. So you can do it four times faster, six times faster, or in my case, 10 to 15 times faster. There is a reason that I do 41% direct bookings. It's because I use a platform like StayFi to build my email list so fast, and then I have my 200-day funnel to go in and actually bring them back to stay with me again and again. Impressive, right? So here's the bonus. No contracts needed. All you need to do is use my name, the code Bill, B-I-L-L, for an exclusive 50% off your first three months with StayFi. And this is not just about attracting new guests, it's about transforming one-time visitors into lifelong ambassadors and return guests. So check it out. StayFi, it's my secret weapon, and I want it to be yours as well. Look, to lock in your StayFi discount and start cultivating your engaged guest list, go to stayfi.com slash bill. That's stayfi.com slash bill. Yep, that's my name, and watch your booking soar. Hey, welcome back to SDR Unfiltered. I'm Bill Faith, your host. I've got a very special guest today, a newfound friend of mine and a keynote speaker that is going to be headlining day number one, the 2024 STR Wealth Conference in Nashville, February 5th through the 8th. Uh, this gentleman really probably doesn't need any introduction. He is a industry disruptor. He's a keynote speaker, a best-selling author, a media personality, a damn good-looking dude, too. He's the CEO of Family First Life uh, that did over $10 million in year number one is on pace to do 600 million this year. And the guy knows a thing or two about scaling and building a massive business and a little bit about college football, which you might dive into here as well. My new friend, Mr. Sean Mike, how are you today, my friend? I couldn't be any better, man. How are you, Bill? I'm great. You are looking good. Looking good. I told you I'm going to keep you on my toe. I keep you on your toes, but I'm usually in shorts and t shirt. You know that? I mean, I, I've got my shorts on. You can't see them, thank goodness, because I've got some ugly chicken legs. <laughs> So, Sean, I am so grateful for you to be here. I want to kind of start. So I'm the guy, I, and thank you for having me on your podcast a few weeks ago. Sure. I'm the guy that's gotten to the $10 million range about five or six times in business. I built one over 50 and was way too big for me. I didn't like having 700 employees and all that type yeah. of stuff. So I sold and went back and started over. What's, what's the lineation to go to $600 million a year? Did you believe that when you started in 2013 that you'd be able to grow that or did it just kind of happen? You know, Bill, I, you know, no, I, I didn't. That was never part of the, the plan. I mean, honestly, I've, I'd been in the insurance business five years and I kind of thought to myself, it'd be great to do it on my own. It really wasn't a, I wasn't looking to build some massive company. You know, I went out and got a couple of insurance carrier contracts and I think kind of like what you're doing. I like, and that's why I like, I think I connected so well with you. I see you finding an industry 
sharing information that's not being shared properly, in my opinion, helping other people actually go make money as opposed to, oh my God, join it and everybody will get rich. No, that's, that's how you like, that's a suicide mission. Right. So for me, when I, we started the company and I sat down with an insurance company, they said, what will you all do the first year? And I said, what do I need to do to keep the contract? So when people say you did 10 million your first year. Yeah. They told me if I didn't do 10 million, they'd terminate me. Now I didn't realize 10 million seemed to be a lot. Cause when I got to 10 million, I was like, man, glad I got to 10 million. I said, y'all were going to terminate me. And the, the, the chief marketing officer was, we weren't going to terminate you. You did 2 million a year. Like nobody does 10 million their first year with an individual insurance company. And actually Bill, this past year we're we're like, we're wrapping up here. We'll probably end up at about 750 million in paid business. And our goal is a, a, a billion next year. So it was never part of the plan, but I learned a lot along the way. And, and I, I think the nice thing for me now is I was much more reactive than proactive, but I was always working really hard. You know, like, like when you start talking about technology, like technologically to run a company with 50 agents that's doing a couple hundred grand a month, no big deal. Running a company, and I ended up growing when things imploded. And that wasn't great. But you know what, Bill? You know, when you have a CRM that delivers leads and you go from having 50 agents access it to having 17,000 access it, and it implodes on you overnight, and it double bills everybody and doesn't deliver leads, you learn real fast what to do. And I, I really, I said to some people, why did you stay with us? Like, we were a work in progress. And they said, you were always transparent about what you were doing. You always put us first. And you're always like you were in the trenches working with us. And, and those are the things I built the company on. You know, it's, it's been, we call it a three-legged stool approach, right? Every decision we make has to be great for the client. And it also has to be great for the agent. That's who we work with, our independent agents. And it can't harm the company. And I think most of the companies I worked at, the decisions were it had to be great for the company, great for all the people they were paying bonuses to. And then if there was a little bit left for us, it was okay. So we, uh, yeah, man, it was never part of the plan. It's been one hell of a ride. Um, I mean, ups, downs, sideways, you know, attorneys tell me we were out of business. Accountants tell me they weren't making any money. You know, I always like people tell me things I already know. It's like, I know. That's why they're accountants and, and attorneys because they don't that, know how to build a fucking business, right? I told my attorney, he said to me, call me. I was in, I was in Destin, Florida at a meeting. We've been in business about seven months. And he said, uh, hey, man, y'all are going to have to, you know, I left a company. They sued me. I sued him back. And he said, uh, you're, we're, you're, you're done. Like they got a restraining order against you. You're going to have to just stop working, you know? And I said to him, I said, it took me a minute, kind of gather myself. And I said, Hey dude, here's the deal. Number one, I can't pay you if we close. I said, and number two, you know what good business, know what good legal advice is to fucking do nothing because there's no liability in doing anything. Good legal advice is hide in your house and never leave it. You'll never have a problem. And to your point, which is funny. And I said to my attorneys, you know, bro, I don't take business advice from you. I'll take legal advice from you. I don't take business advice from my accountant either. I, ta I take tax advice, you know, so it's uh, been one hell of a run, but it was never part of the plan, Bill. It's kind of funny how attorneys and CPAs like to interject with their, you know, business acumen and the wisdom when they've never built anything, um, you know, on their own. It, it, I think a lot of people, man, and, and this is what you had to learn about your friends and family when you're trying to build something and associates. I, I, I think they're good people, but I think they look at me and go like, hey, man, he went to Eastern. I went to this amazing law school. He didn't come from any money. My mommy and daddy made money. He's out making millions of dollars a year. I'm his accountant making this. Like anything they can come, like kind of, dude, and even the most well-intended people, if you don't do as well, it makes it easier for them and more palatable 
their life and what they're doing on a daily basis. And I never, you, you can use one hand to count the amount of people who are going to pull for you if it doesn't benefit them. And uh, I learned that early on. Amen. I mean, that's a hundred percent. I mean, when you start ascending the ladder, people want to pull you back down to the bottom because they can't crawl as fast as you can. Correct. Sean, what's the difference? What's the biggest difference in your life today with a $600 million company versus when you had a $10 million company? From a business standpoint, it's a lot of delegation. When I was running a $10 million deal, it wasn't, you know, I used to always say to people, it's a democracy until we're not growing. Then it becomes a dictatorship until we start growing again. And when you get to be big, it's um, learning to let go of things. You know, I think most of us that are getting the business are pretty good at controlling our environment. And then we control it. We want to control it. We, we know how to do it. And we want to do it our way. Or we're a perfectionist. You know what I mean? Or whatever we want to say. I've learned to bring people in. And to actually, you know, I used to have this saying, which is idiotic, but it, you know, we were just trying to live. I said, the new idea department's closed. Stop bringing me new ideas. And the reality is that that's okay when you're fighting for your life and you're trying to get to a couple million dollars a year. But once you're scaling, you need the input from the people that are helping grow the company as well. Like you need right. to have that. And I think, Bill, I got really good at finding people that were good at marketing and leads and a lot of people inside the company too. Like, hey, you're really good at this aspect. We were always very good at teaching the training and letting people train. Um, but the single biggest thing I will tell you is you better want to take none of the recognition and credit for it because people will work for money and kill for recognition. If I take a bunch of the recognition and I'm in charge, I got very little to give back. So I'm insanely humble about what I do. Uh, I'm, um, and by the way, we sell life insurance. Like I didn't create something to cure something. Like right. we call people up that ask us to help them and we help them. Like it's, and I think when I humble myself, it allows a lot of people around me because I've been part of companies where guys will convince you they're great. Right now I work hard. Mm -hmm. No doubt about it. I, I'm not going to back down. True. I have a good mindset. All those things are true. And, and I built some pretty amazing businesses. That's awesome. But my, my, I think my, my go-to and what makes help make me different is dude, I can teach you to do it too. Doesn't mean you will do it, but I can teach you how to do it. You know, somebody asked me the earlier today, how do you get through the times of despair? And I said, dude, if my biggest problem is financial or business, I get down on my hands and knees and thank God that's my biggest problem. And also what we do doesn't require any innate ability. If you told me, hey, Sean, you know, we were talking sports earlier. You said, hey, this weekend, you're going to play cornerback for Iowa and you're going to cover Michigan's best wide receiver. I'd be in despair. Number one, I wasn't fast when I was 25. Right. I got a hold of a dude, grab him by the face mask, rip him to the ground, basically beat the shit out of him, hope he doesn't get up and get a penalty because I have zero chance to cover him. Right. That would put me in despair. I'm put in a situation I have zero chance to succeed in. People get into despair in business when they feel the same way, even though it's not true. They convince themselves they can't succeed. Two or three or four bad things happen to them. So I learned to help develop that mindset with everybody, live in humility, delegate tasks, and also... When you get that size, I was the CEO, CFO, CTO, COO. When you get to be as big as we are, it doesn't work that way. So right. I was able to really elevate people in and outside. You know, I was really opposed to bringing anybody in from the outside. And then I'm like, you know what? Maybe a new set of eyes. I hired a guy that did 30 years at IBM. My average age is 27 years old. But he had a fresh view on things. And it really allowed me from a technological standpoint, take us a different level. And we brought some other folks in. So, you know, relinquishing some control 
while the culture remains the same and to keep working. I keep working, man. You, you, you can't, you can't bust my ass. I'm working. You, you, you can't get complacent, even at the position you are, as soon as you are, no. there's somebody else younger, hungrier, that'll work harder, hustle right. longer, you know, whatever. And I think people might look at your social and, oh, look, he flies on private planes and he's do all over this stuff and doing that stuff. I, I follow you close enough to know that you're fucking, you're hustling. I'm right? working. And Amen. there's, but I think I want to take a step. There's so much to unpack on what you just said. I want to really focus on two things. You said about the humility and being humble. I don't follow the NFL that close. I know you're a big college football fan, uh, but we suck. Meaning my Tennessee Titans who are yeah. here. We're five and five, yeah, but I saw yeah. something from Mike Vrabel on Sunday night on Facebook that was profound to me. He said, look, I'm taking the five losses, 100%. You put that on me, and you give my players the five wins, right? Amen. Because I'm 0-5, and they're 5-0. and I fucked up. I'm taking responsibility. That's the mark of a great leader, a great CEO, right? Correct. But it's really hard for small business owners to think that way, and I'm going to steal the term from Michael Gerber in the E-Myth when we're in technician mode. You talked about at one point in this business, you were the CTO, the CEO, the CFO. You're doing everything. And I've grown like I said earlier, to 50 million, nowhere near 600. And I see that transition has to happen for me, usually around that seven to $10 million mark, depending on type of business. But I couldn't go to 20 or hit 30 unless I start to have that mindset shift. Do you see something similar with the, the, the people that you work with? Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that because I had a guy probably 25 years ago say to me, if you want to be a good leader, every time it goes sideways, it's your fault. And every time it goes well, it's because they kick ass and you have great people around you. And I've, to this day, pride myself on the fact that that's where I always am. No matter if it's I've um, been in a new contract, we're, we're looking at a new deal. You know, you're, you're great, Sean. No, I have great people around me. So I definitely see that. And also, this is hard for people. When you get to 10 million, you will have to cut some people out. Right. You will have some people that don't believe in that. You will have some relatively competent people. One of the biggest things, we were about a year and a half into the company at about 40% of our volume. They just, our visions didn't align. I'm like, we should do these things. They're like, no, we shouldn't. We should do this. We can make more. We should take this. We should charge them for this. We should create these revenue streams. I'm like, we sell life insurance. That's how we make money. And the, I could not get on the same page as these guys. And I remember I was talking to a guy in my office who's now um, chief operating guy and, and great. I hired him when he was real young. I've been with him now 15 years. And he said, what are you going to do with them? I said, well, I'm not going to give an inch and they're going to quit and they're going to launch a company and compete with us. And that's going to be the best thing that could ever happen to us. And he said, how do you figure? I said, well, number one, I can't carry them with me because they're always going to be doing this always. And it's not like I don't mind. I don't, but these things they don't agree with. I'm a hundred percent on board that we're doing the right thing. And then also people always need something to compete with. Competition is crazy healthy. And by the way, it's why guys love playing for Mike, right? And you hear it across the NFL. They just And also, by the way, he played. Right. I, I think there's also something to be said. And again, I get it. I know it's great. I get it. Um, I live in Southern Florida. But, dude, Mike McDaniel still did play college football. I mean, it's hard to believe when you look at him. But, like, I, for those of you that are in business, Mike and these other guys are going to get a nod. And they just are. Because in the darkest of times, the players know that the guys that played can relate. In the darkest of whatever's going on in their personal life, their professional life, who's taking money from over here, their agent, the contract, the, the organization, they know when push comes to shove and that guy talks to them. They're like, you know what? I got I to 
I got a guy, um, good buddy of mine who plays for the Jaguars. And he's like, dude, like Peter's like, he played like, dude, when we talk about stuff, he's been there. Like it's, it's right. just different. So remember that in your business too, because I think that will give you some forgiveness, but yeah, man, you are not only are you, are you required to have that thought process and to live in it, but you're also required to cut the people out around you that won't buy into it. And sometimes that's an emotional decision because you build relationships with those people. I mean, I'm sure you, as I have, have had to fire friends. You know, I've had to fire family that I brought into. And some of sometimes it works out for four or five years, but then they don't stay on the same plane that we have as the business grows. You got to let them go. You, you, you have to be emotionally invested in the business, not the people. Agreed. That's hard. That's really hard. But once you, once you accomplish it, every decision you're making is what's best for the business. It doesn't matter who that person is. Every decision you make is best for the business. And then people, again, you know, I was with a guy yesterday and he's like, well, I can't. My brother-in-law, we were having family meetings because I was at one company. He's at another. And I said, how old are you? He said, what do you mean? I go, how old are you? He's like, I'm 35. I go, and you're having family meetings. If anybody in my family after the age of 15 asked me for a family meeting, I'd punch my brother in the fucking face. I'd smack the shit out of my father. Any other male that was around would get whacked. I'd tell my mom I love her, but I'd ask her nice to never call a family meeting again. I'm a grown ass man. Family meeting to talk about what I'm doing in business. No, I'll pass. Thank you very much. So we just listen to so many people talk. I agree with you, folks. That's what I love about Sean. He shoots it straight. And you need to check out his Punch Me in the Face podcast because he's just a fucking shoot straighter as I, a guy that shoots it straight as I am. Sean, I want to shift gears for a second. We can talk about your business and everything all day long, and it's ridiculously impressive. But I also want to kind of migrate over. You've got a $600 million business. I see you flying, flying private. You live in, in Southern Florida. You have the coolest backpack, by the way. I want, I want to know what backpack, you're, that red backpack that you're walking around with. I need one of those things in my life. We'll, we, we'll send you one, dude. Andrew, send Bill. What do you want? Red, green, orange? Red. Oh, it's a punch me in the face? It, yeah, I want a red backpack, Andrew. All right, get a red one. Up. No, we'll, we'll send that to you tomorrow. Nice. Why build your personal brand? You've got such a big company. Why? I mean, you've yeah. got hundreds of thousands of followers on social media. Why does Sean Mike need to have a personal brand? You know, it, it's funny because it was very um, unintentional. You know, I did a lot on social for the business. And then people would reach out and start asking me questions. And I was like, about the business. And I respond to all the questions because, like, I want to help people out. That's cool. And then one day, I had a guy reach out to me from uh, New York. And he said, Steve has become a good buddy of mine. And he said, uh, are you trying to build a brand? And I can't remember how we got connected. And I said, like, why do you call people you don't know and ask them fucking questions? Like, who are you? You know what I mean? Like, that was really my response. Like, who are you? Right. And then he was talking about some of the people that he had been in business with and he helped promote. And I was like, I don't like those guys. So I don't know that that's trying to impress me. I said, I'm not trying to impress you, but I said, I don't like them. He said, why? I said, they're full of shit. And he asked me something really profound. Now, granted, he's a businessman, okay? But he said, do you believe that your content, your information would help people make money? I said, I know it would. It's all I do. I do it every day. I said, and they don't. Taking somebody's money and using it is different than helping somebody else make money. Amen. I help them make money. So he goes, what are you going to do about it? I said, I don't know, but now I'm thinking about building a personal brand because you're starting to piss me off. And now he's a businessman. He wanted to help me build a personal brand. And I get it. And he's been great. You know, I honestly, Bill, 
I started doing some stuff and I said, my first six months, you know, I'm going to put some content out and see if anybody cares. If they don't, it's okay. If they do, cool. I'm good either way. I really put much into it. I'm just like, I'm really, I don't, don't want to buy anything because, you know, I, I even, Steve hooked me up with a guy. It's funny. On YouTube, I had a guy I hired and he went, I'm like, I don't want to build it that way. I'll build the right way organically. Do people watch? What are the hours? How do people come back? I want to, I want, if they care, they care. If they don't, they don't. Right. And actually more people care than I thought they would. And I was like, you know, I wonder why. And then I went on this podcast, Millionaire Mindset Podcast, young, young man, Xavier Miller. And he's had me back a bunch of times since. And I said, he goes, man, the stuff you did had like more interaction than like about anything I've had. And we get millions of views. And I said, why? It's your audience. Why? And he said, you know, a lot of the people that are on social media are, are young and posing and, and, and pretending they make a bunch of money and they want to get rich in three days. And if they don't get rich in three days, life sucks. And you have an older school mentality that I think a lot of people do want to hear about. I think they do want to hold themselves accountable the way because I think our generation gets a bad rap. And um, so, you know, and then actually it became competitive. And then it's funny because I did one short and this guy who I definitely don't like in real estate business started talking shit. And it wasn't about me. He wouldn't use my name because he's way too big to use my name. And um, in his mind, but I just want to be bigger than him one day only because I don't like him. And uh, I was talking about reading books and he was like, this guy flies this and says he doesn't read books. And I was like, no, I don't read your book. Like you take money from people, invest it in real estate, kick them back a tiny bit of money and act like you're getting rich. And also I don't like people that pretend to have shit that's not theirs. I, I, I like real people. That's why I liked you, Bill. I liked when you talked about it. That's why I was asked like, what do you do? You started breaking down. I was like, dude, that makes sense. Like, I like that. So you empower people. Yes, I give them the information. I don't mislead them. I tell them exactly how to give them a blueprint. That's how I make money. Life is good, but I teach them to do it. Because if I had a nickel for everybody that stumbles out into the real estate business gets eaten alive, and they go, that business sucks. No, that business doesn't suck. You sucked at it. You didn't have the right information. You went out there blind. You got slaughtered. So, right. I, you know, it was very, very unintentional. I am competitive. And then I had people say I couldn't do it. So people would be like, you know, he think, I'm like, so I'm just going to grow it just to grow it, like to piss y'all right. off. And I also like, interacting with people whether they like it or not because i started doing that early on that worked really well like one guy was like man that's what we need another old guy on social media talking shit i was like bitch i will whoop your ass and they're like you can't do that i'm like why that's part of my brand i'll fight him tomorrow like i don't give a shit what's the problem and then i just started to enjoy it man and it kind of breathed life into what i was doing too i love my business but i'm like this is what i do and then guess what lo and behold i recruited a bunch of people that were following me on social media that didn't necessarily just like, I want to make money. I'm like, well, I know a lot of ways to make money. Like, what's one way you make it? I'm like life insurance, but there's other, other ways you can make it. Right. And um, it's been a lot of fun, man. And uh, and I think, you're, you know, guys like us, do, we are an anomaly, dude. Because honestly, most of the people on there, they tell the same bullshit story. They lie. It's kind of funny. They, they judge you for, like, everybody's going to jail now, all of a sudden. It's like, dude, he didn't go to jail. He wasn't a drug dealer. But it's like a cool story. You know what I mean? Like, I had my dad on my podcast recently. Because I was like, tell him, like, what did you think I would be? He's like, I thought you'd be in jail. You were arrested enough times and held and stayed there. And did, But we just talked and people was like, man, thanks for your transparency. Because there's so much online that is so, so fictitious. Like living in Southern Florida is cool, except Southern Florida is the capital of the fake rich. There's a lot right. of other communities in the country that have fake rich too. But it's like the capital. And when I get people in, I'm like, Hey, dude, nice car. Where do you live? Why does it matter? I'm like, because your fucking car is worth more than where you live. I'm, like, leasing, I'm leasing the Lamborghini, but I live in North Hollywood in a condo. What do we, and again, I'm not, I ain't judging you, dude, but that's not a way to get ahead. Right. 
It's just not. And then I, I would watch so much, you know, save your way to get wealthy. It's like, dude, shut up. That makes no sense. What are you talking about? Don't have debt. Shut up, dumbass. That makes literally no sense. What are you talking about? You mean pay you monthly subscription fees? You can drop your bullshit knowledge on me. And then I'm supposed to get rich by saving my way there. All my friends that I've met that are millionaires, and I only have a couple that are true, legitimate billionaires. None of them said debt was bad. <laughs> Not one. I Not think I know one. who you're talking about. I think he lives about a mile away from me. Yeah, what's his name? Rams. Yeah, hey, Rams. Like, dude, what are we doing? Like, who's watching that? And I'm just like, but what's sad is my, like, I use my mom. My mom worked three jobs, high school educated, kids real young. My mom would have believed that. And actually, I think she does. But thank God I bought her house. And thank God I pay for her shit. You know, I it's, it's funny. My, my, my wife just walked in over here. She just brought me lunch. And Tell my wife hi. came to me a couple years ago and didn't feel like we were wealthy. Because the way that she grew up with her parents, Sean, was you had to have the money sitting in the bank account making Amen. zero interest. Mm -hmm. And her father retired with a million dollars in retirement from the oil industry in Southern California. And he was wealthy and he was making his seven or 8% living on 60 grand a year in retirement. And I, and we had to go through and say, Hey, look, this isn't a million different places. It's in real estate. It's in all these other right. things. Just because I think the way that our parents raised us is what impacts right. the way that we think as adults, unless we can learn a new train of thought. Right. Yeah. So I love everything that you've just said. And I love our dear friend, Steve, who I've become very good friends with Amen. over the last seven right. months. And I'm excited because, you know, he's going to be here in Nashville when you're here. I know. I can't and, wait. And you know, what's interesting is that the first day of this conference, it's going to be, and I don't know if you know Angie Wisdom or not. If you don't, if you do know Angie, it's going to be Angie. It's going to be Bill Faith. Then it's going to be Sean Mike. And then it's going to wow. be Hank Norman. All in yeah. a row. That's a fucking power I, pack. I got to step up. That's some big people around me. I'm going to bring my A mother plus effing game. Let me write it. It's going to be big. And the over under for F bombs, and we'll put Aunt She aside, but between just me and you and Hank, it's about 137. Uh, in I would take the over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that pays out two and a half X, just FYI. <laughs> awesome. I don't know. I, I, I don't know that you want to. You. you I guess the one thing that I do want to talk about before I let you go, if you got like three or four more, I minutes, got as much time as you need, Bill. You build a massive social media following. I'm bringing in Hank behind you because Hank Norman is the expert in building, you know, personal Monster. brands, Mel Monster. Robbins, Steve Harvey, Grant, all those guys. One of the things that I love about you that I didn't do when I first got onto social media and started working on my brand building five, six years ago, I was afraid to express my opinion. And you have no qualms of, of calling it how it is, mm -hmm. expressing your, taking a stance and, and sharing your opinion. And that's something I've learned from Hank and actually watching you of how important that is, you know, when you're trying to build your personal brand. And I believe everybody should be building their personal brand. What, what, what is one or two things that you could share with my audience? Because they're mostly new that are trying to work on their personal brand if they want to do it the right way, like you and I are doing it. Um, I mean, it's like anything else, activity, right? One of the things is people will, everybody has a tribe. I don't care who you are, you have a group. There is, everybody watching today has a group that is not my group or yours, Bill. There is a group of people, they might be all of ours eventually because we all connect, but that's your tribe, however many people there is. 
And never worry about at the beginning, it takes time. So as long as you're consistent in your content, you give the people connecting with you, I think a real life image of who you actually are. In today's world, somehow transparency is big. I've always just kind of shot people straight. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, it is what it is. But a lot of people are worried about, so if you can be transparent, you'll be more of an anomaly. But when I watch people on social media, because I'll start following, but when I see them, like, disappear for any period of time, I'm just kind of like a lot of other people, the consistency then gives us this, we lose faith. Literally, Bill, we, we lose faith because we don't see it. And you have to figure out what do you bring to the table? Now, Guys like you and I, we found people that have helped us say, hey, these are the things you bring to the table. My idea, my first, when a podcast book was, the name was going to be Humble and Hungry. But I do pay Steve, and he's like, dude, that's kind of stupid. Why don't you call it Punch Me in the Face? Everything you talk about, like, and would you want to buy a book called Humble and Hungry, Punch Me in the Face? And so getting around people, not being afraid to spend the money, and also your sweat equity. See, the thing for me is anything I want to do marketing-wise I could pay for doing whatever I'm doing, right? Y'all right. doing real estate, doing everything, whatever you're doing, if you put forth the activity. And I think I've learned that people want real life. My struggle early on, Bill, was I would talk about business and only be like, I'm like, I'll talk about, I wasn't afraid of an opinion, but I was like so focused on business. And then I started watching a lot of other people and researching and then getting information from people too, asking. And people were like, dude, we don't know who you are. They, Hank says it the best. They want to know before the why. Before Amen. that, like take a step back. Like, what what was your struggle Amen. before you decided why you're going to build this six hundred million dollar business? Right, I didn't get that part because I was the same as right. you. I'm just teaching people, but he's like, Hanks, you you got to fucking stop teaching. Show right. them why you're doing this today. Correct. And so is I, that one of the reasons? Like you you talk about college football a lot. Yeah, and and, and honestly, I, I like to gamble. I'll gamble on fucking anything. I love gambling. Always have. Always will. I don't gamble my, my rent money when I was younger. I didn't gamble my mortgage money. I didn't gamble my kids in, but I like to gamble. I, and I enjoy winning. I really enjoy winning. So, and I started looking at college football and kind of the same thing. I got buddies of mine that I actually, I haven't said this to anybody. Glad you brought it up. But I got a buddy of mine that he pays all the time for these picks. I like yep. him. He's done very well successfully. And I said, I will bet you that I will outperform your fucking paid picks. You take 10 games a week. I'll take 10 games a week. Buy all your picks, and I will fucking beat you. And I am. You're today beating him. And I'm like, I paid nothing for these. And the reality is that's part of my, my mission is like, you can gain a lot of this. You can go do it yourself. you got to stop thinking. Everybody was built for greatness. But so many people are so willing to tell everybody else how great they are. And it's like, you know, one of the things we're going to start doing, you'll love this, we ain't started yet. We're going to start Dolphin Stadium. We're going to take one of those little microphones and I'm going to go around to people before the game that are tailgating. Grown men above the age of 18 that have another grown man's jersey on. And we're going to do this. It's going to be great. They're actually going to go viral. Like, we're going to be good. So we're going to start doing it all over the place. And we'll walk up and be like, hey, how you doing? My name's Sean. Oh, my name's Bill. Bill, nice to meet you. Bill, you cool? Like, this will be on YouTube. We're gonna, we have some questions for you. See your diehard Dolphin fan. Do you mind? And we're going to engage. Bill, number one, how old are you, Bill? I'm I'm 45 years old. Great, Bill. Congratulations. Bill, your last name is Faith. F-A-H. Okay, got it. It's been around. Bill, the name on the back is Hill. Tyreek Hill. Are you married to Tyreek Hill? No. This is Ty. You're okay. All right, Bill. Cool. 
Why is Bill wearing another grown man's jersey with another grown man's name on his back? We're going to do that. Dude. We're going to kill it. And if somebody somebody gets drunk and takes a swing, that'd be even better because it'd be self-defense. <laughs> if the dude's really good at fighting and he's like a UFC champion, beats the shit out of me, that'll be good too because we got to win and lose fights. But on a serious note, and I am going to do that, but on a serious note, you there are people out there that want to engage with you. They want to know you. You have to be transparent. And by the way, the people around you will not, they probably won't like it. And, and the people that know you, and I'm just like, I learned that too. There are people that know you that are like, because they don't know why you're trying to do. And it's like, dude, I'm just trying to help people out like I do in the business end of it. And again, when you look at who's out there, who's like, there's some big brands, right? Like let's choose anybody, Tony Robbins, very successful. Great. Do I think he's supernatural? No. Do I think if Bill Faith had put together the same effort, gathered the same information that Bill Faith could do what Tony Robbins does? Yes. Agreed. And I believe that. And I, I think any of you, I, I mean, I, I believe that. He worked really hard. He's really good at what he does. Obviously works his ass up. Don't know him. But I'm just saying, like, at some point in time, can you imagine how big your business can get, your personal brand can get, if you're bringing value, you're vulnerable, you're self-deprecating, because comedians are self-deprecating. Right. You know, Kevin James, I love King of Queens. Well, what did Kevin James say when he lost 40 pounds? I had to put the weight back on. People laugh when you're fat. They don't laugh when you're skinny. That's what he said. True. If Kevin Hart is 6'4 and good looking, ain't nobody laughing at him. But he's tiny. So he's, he's funny. Like too. He's fucking tiny. You put him in your pocket, you walk around with him, he's funny. But if he was tall, strapping, good, he ain't funny, dude. Because right. we don't feel good. We're uncomfortable already because we're already dislike him because he's so good looking. Right. As opposed to, oh, my God. So you have to find the same fault in you and the same self-deprecation in you. And when you can find fault. You know, that was one of the biggest things I talked about early on. That's kind of what got me solidified, too. One of my big things is I've been sober 23 years. That's a big deal for me, only because I know what my life would be like. I was a complete fucking disaster. Like, and I know. And I never knew how many people out there that were having any kind of modicum of success went through the same thing. And they're like, man, I can't believe you share that. I'm like, I can't believe you haven't. I've had more people tell me, hey, man, they don't work with me. They're like, hey, dude, it changed my life when I heard you talk about that. I felt the same way about my family. I've been trying to get sober. I'm, I'm 29 days in now. And I'm like, dude, I love you. So I think, I think those things have just been really big. And uh, it's been enjoyable. I've done some stupid stuff. Like riding a bull probably wasn't a great idea because I broke my neck. But it was funny. You know what I mean? And uh I tore my groin, which is what I thought happened. But I went to I went to a guy four months later, orthopedic surgeon for my something else. He's like, "You broke your back," and I was like, "Really?" He's like, "Yeah." He told me roughly how old it was. I was like, "I fell off a bull," and I showed him the video. He's like, "Oh yeah, that that you didn't land very well." I was like, "Nope." But you know, man, it's been a lot of fun, and we're gonna keep doing it. And you're gonna, you know, and I I, I think we have some pretty cool ideas of what we're gonna do to continue to grow this thing. So. That's awesome. I appreciate you sharing and thank you for being here. I look forward to seeing you and meeting you in person in Nashville. I'll see you on February 5th, my friend. Thank you for being on the podcast. Bill, thanks for having me. I appreciate what you do, dude. You're a stud and I love what you're doing for people. So I can't wait to be with y'all soon. Well, thank you, everybody. Everybody out there, make sure you give Sean Mike a follow on Instagram. Check out his Punch Me in the Face podcast. You just saw how entertaining he is. It's informative, it's educational. You're going to learn some shit about business, but also it's energetic and it's fun. Thanks for joining me on STR Unfiltered. Happy hosting, everybody. The STR Unfiltered podcast is brought to you by Market My STR, the ultimate all-in-one marketing platform for short-term rental hosts. 
Are you tired of juggling multiple marketing tools? Say goodbye to the hassle and make your life as a host a breeze with Mark and my STR. Boost your booking rates and increase your revenue in no time with our powerful features. Our platform streamlines your marketing efforts so you can focus on what you do best, providing unforgettable guest experiences. Whether you're a newcomer or a seasoned host, Mark and my STR has got you covered. Stay connected with your guests using our comprehensive set of communication tools. From custom landing pages to text messages, email marketing, and social media integration, we provide all the tools you need to elevate your short-term rental business. Streamline your operations, enhance your guest experience today. Don't settle for less so we can have it all. Make the switch to Mark and my STR's all-in-one marketing platform and watch your business soar. Visit marketmystr.com today to sign up for your free trial. That's marketmystr.com. Elevate your short-term rental business with Mark and my STR. Thank you for listening to STR Unfiltered, where we give you actionable episodes without the bullshit.